The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. If you have your Bible, go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to actually be in chapter 8 and chapter 9. I'm going to take one more week break from our Matthew series and we'll hopefully pick that back up, God willing, next week. Is it all right if I preach a little bit longer today? Okay. <laughs> Did you bring a snack with you? Oh, there you go. She gave me permission, yeah. Well, I have friends from northern Kentucky and Ohio today. They came all this way, so they deserve a little longer sermon. So. Or maybe you're like, we wouldn't have come if we knew that was going to be the case. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. If you would stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Can I give that to you? Before I read this, uh, just before I forget, um, I do want to say that this, this is our prayer wall, and we're going to be praying, as Christy said, uh, beginning tonight and then all this week, and so at any time uh, after I preach, I say after I preach because it'll mess me up if you're coming up while I'm preaching, but uh, there is a paper here and there are pens, and you can come up and put a prayer request down, and uh, there's clips on the wall, and we'll make sure we pray for those throughout the week, so... There you go. 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians. Did I say first before? Yeah. All right, sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. What'd you say, Steve? It's what? It's a new year, that's right. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and uh, we are going to begin in verse 1. The word of the Lord says this. <clears throat> We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but uh, to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know that uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also uh, to desire to do it. So now finish doing it well, uh, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it's written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered uh, little had no lack. Now flip over with me to chapter 9, and we're going to go down to verse 6. 
this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make grace, all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it's written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. That's the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Well, talking about money today, aren't you glad you came to church? You know, in eight years of, uh, almost eight years of ministry here at Real Life, I might have preached one sermon on money, uh, if that. I think early on I preached one time when we had less than $100 in our checking account here um, when I first came. So I, I think one time in eight years. So I, I'm reluctant to talk about money for a couple of reasons, one of them being TV preachers who have uh, exploited the poor uh, to gain riches for themselves. And, uh, you know, we've got testimonies of them staying, they're traveling pastors and staying in hotels upwards of $10,000 a night and yet taking money from uh, people without a lot of money. Um, that's given us a bad name. Secondly, there's a lot of people, maybe because of that, that have said, you know what? All the church cares about is money. How many have ever heard that? If you've gone here for any time, I think you could say that that is not the case at Real Life Community Church. Shake your head at me if you agree with that. All right. Um, why am I preaching about money today? Well, for a few reasons. Number one is it's part of the vision of this church to give away, give away 51%, at least 51% of what comes in to give it back out into the community to missions to feed the hungry to bless our community that's our heart to do that we've got to have faithful giving in this church secondly in great transparency our budget is not where it needs to be steve is our treasurer he asked me to preach on money didn't you <laughs> on giving so uh, if you don't like this blame him um <laughs> Thirdly, thirdly, is giving is a blessing. And I actually do, if, if I never talk about money and giving, I do a great uh, disservice to you because it is more blessed, Acts 20 says, to give than to receive. And I want you to be blessed. I want to be blessed. And so we need to, we, we need to deal with this here and there. So this past week, I... Uh, looked up some church giving statistics from a non-profit source website 
And by the way, these are pre-COVID statistics, so I don't want you to hear these and go, well, it's just because of COVID. No, it's not. This is pre-COVID. So according to these statistics, only about 5% of American Christians give 10% or more of their income to the church. 5%. On average, Christians are giving 2.5% of their income to the church. Now get this, listen up. During the Great Depression, the average was 3.3%. 37% of evangelicals give no money to the church. And these statistics are alarming, and though uh, I want to say this from the start, I don't know what you give. I have access to it. Um, if you make me mad, I'm going to look, but... Um, <laughs> But really, I don't, <laughs> I thought you were working nursery today. <laughs> I don't, in all seriousness, I don't know what you give, and I, I purposefully don't look at that because I can preach a message like this, and I can tell you, if you're convicted, it's not because I went and looked at your giving. You don't say, he's preaching to me. If I'm preaching to you, it's because the Holy Spirit's preaching to you, all right? <laughs> so there you go. But in just knowing our annual income, what comes in, and comparing that to our regular attendance, I would say these statistics are pretty close to what's the norm at our church as well. So it's, it's pretty alarming. My aim today is not to guilt trip you in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, we'll get to this later, but not to give under compulsion. My job's not to twist your arm to give. My aim's not to manipulate you. It's simply to teach you what the Bible says about giving. And I'm probably going to shock many of you uh, when I show you what the Bible actually says, because a lot of what we heard is actually maybe not completely true. And so I want to challenge you on some of your beliefs about giving. And then simply this, I want you to take what I've taught, you search the scriptures for yourself, and you, uh, my, my aim is this, that you would maybe uh, consider doing what the Bible says. <laughs> Fair enough? Yeah. All right, there you go. So here's the setting of, of our text today. Paul is writing to the believers at Corinth, and he's asking them to join the churches in Macedonia. So in Macedonia, uh, you have uh, Philippi, you have Thessalonica, and you have the, the church in Berea. So these churches, they're actually not well off themselves, these Christians. But Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth to join the churches in Macedonia to give to the really poor Christians in Jerusalem. And Paul is using the Macedonian Christians as this kind of example of what Christian giving looks like. He says even out of their poverty, they're, they're giving so generously. And so they're Paul is meaning to uh, have this collection take place so that it can be sent to the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem who are suffering. So that's the context of what's going on. So three points today. Why are we to give? Number two, what amount are we to give? And number three, how can we give more generously? So why, what, how? Easy enough? All right. So number one, why does the Bible implore Christians to give? I can't stress this enough. God does not need your money. Does not need my money. Psalm 50, verse 12. The Lord speaking. One of my favorite verses. 
If I were hungry, I would not tell you. <laughs> For the world and its fullness are mine. The Lord says in verse 13, Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. In other words, you don't need to rescue me. I'm here to rescue you. So when you offer these gifts, it's gifts of thanksgiving, not because I'm in need of anything. The Lord says, listen, the world and its fullness are mine. Friends, God doesn't need your money. We are not owners, as Bob said. We are managers of what God has allowed us to steward. So why then do we give? Well, many reasons. Number one, we give out of gratitude. So verse one of our text, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among you, uh, among the churches of Macedonia. So again, Paul is encouraging Corinth with these, this testimony of the Macedonian church's giving. And these churches have... Almost nothing to offer, but they give anyways of the little they do have. And why do they do it? Paul says because the grace of God is at work in their hearts. And they are so immensely grateful. You know, there's a a family in our church that they are hyper generous. And I was talking to this man uh, a few weeks ago. And I say to him, thank you so much for all you do around the church. And thank you so much for your generous giving. I said, it just blows me away. And he says, it's no worries. And he says, listen, if you just knew what God did for me. Listen, when we get a glimpse of what God has done for us in Christ, we become generous people. The grace of God is not meant just to flow to us, but it is meant to uh, flow through us. So as we receive God's grace... We become so immensely grateful that we pour out grace on other people. That's what's happening with the Macedonian churches. And so that's the first verse of our our text today. We go to the very end of the section. So this is 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So it starts with the grace of God and it ends with thanksgiving to God, which means the basis for our giving, friends is the inexpressible gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ. It's the reason that I don't try to twist your arm to give. I might be able to get a few bucks out of you today in the offering plate, but you will not continue to give until you get a glimpse of who Jesus really is. But here's what I believe. If I just preach Jesus faithfully, which is what I try to do week after week after week, if I can raise your affections for the Lord Jesus Christ, you won't be able to give enough of your money away or your time or your talent or anything else. Amen? So that's one of the reasons we give. It's out of gratitude. But secondly, God blesses our generosity. He blesses our generosity. How many want to be blessed? All right? Better than being stressed. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Friends, this is simple, but it's profound at the same time. We cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Now, let me just stress here this is not a vending machine equation. It's not like this, like I never give anything and I don't really care about giving, but you know what? I need a new Mercedes Benz. 
And so listen, I'm going to do the math. I'm, I'm going to give $1,000. I'm going to sow my seed, and then God's going to put a new Mercedes in my driveway tomorrow. That's not what this text teaches. And again, that's what TV preachers, that's what they'll say. You give this much to my ministry today, and of course it's their ministry, and, uh, and then God's going to pay off your house. He's going to do this. No, there's some caveats here. When we are continually generous with what we have, God multiplies what we have. Why? Well, let's look at verse 11. So this comes right after that, uh, verse 6. Um, very next section. You will be enriched in every way. Here's why. So you, you reap, um, you sow bountifully, God's going to bless you bountifully. And then he says, when you do that, you're going to be enriched in every way. And here's why. To be generous in every way. God is not blessing you so that you can make all the greeds of your heart come true. Did you hear me? The greeds of your heart. He's blessing you to meet all your needs and then some, not so you can grow a fat bank account, but so you can be ridiculously generous to meet the needs of other people. God is looking for people to bless like this. And you're, if you're faithful with little, he will bless you with much because he can trust you. Somebody says, you know what? If I just made more money, I'd give. No, you wouldn't. Do you know statistically it is proven that... Um, it is much easier to give $1 out of 10 than it is 10 out of 100, 100 out of 1,000, so on and so forth. The more money you make, actually, the harder it becomes to give. If you want the blessing of the Lord, ask the Lord to have a generous heart now. Help you have a generous heart now. I uh, am hesitant to share giving testimonies in my own life because when we give we know that we're not supposed to let the left hand know what the right hand's doing but I want to use this by way of illustration a few years ago um, I was listening to a podcast and uh, the guy that was uh, on this particular podcast he was the CEO of an organization called Charity Water and do you know how many billion people around the world don't have while we live in luxury they don't even have clean water and I listened to these stories and my heart was broken and sometimes we go, oh, wow, man, that moves me so much, but then we do nothing about it. Or we think, man, what's my little gift going to give uh, or going to do, right? What's my little gift going to do? But the Lord convicted me, and I said, you know what? I want to give to this cause. And I couldn't get to my computer fast enough. I was here at the church. I went to my office, and I, I went on, and I made a $30 a month contribution. I put, you know, recurring giving. I didn't think, man, my Mercedes is coming. Think anything about it. I just wanted to give. That same week, somebody handed me an envelope. Chris, Nikki, the Lord laid this on my heart to give to you guys. You want to guess how much it was for? $3,000. That's the way the Lord works. I'm not going to say every time you're going to get a check like that. Wouldn't that be nice? But I'm just saying, He blesses you. When you give in, in the, with the right attitude, God is looking for people to bless in that way. So we give because God blesses us. Thirdly, we give for the glory of God. Look at verse 12 in chapter 9. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. Listen, when we do stuff for the Richmond Police Department, we give to the Pregnancy Help Center, to God's outreach, to missionaries. It's not for our own glory. Our aim is to point them beyond ourselves onto the glory of God. Number four, we give for 
some practical reasons. Like, what should the money be used for? Well, in the early church, there were two primary causes that people gave to. Number one is this, a little awkward for me to talk about because I'm a pastor, but one is uh, the support of church leaders. I'll put a tip jar at the front here. Just joking. There are many pastors and missionaries who, like myself, have committed their lives to the full-time preaching and teaching of the gospel um, and the work of the ministry. So the Bible teaches that part of the church donation should go to support these leaders. Uh, Paul writes about this, if you want to read later, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and then I'll read a shorter passage to you. This is the Apostle Paul again in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. Let the elders who rule, elders, pastors, same kind of thing, uh, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Verse 18, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Now, while I do not think that pastors should be living in mansions and driving luxury vehicles, I do think that we should be able to make a reasonable living. And by the way, I want to say thank you to this church for taking such good care of me. Uh, it is such a blessing. Missionaries, I think about them, who give up so many comforts. I mean, I've got friends. I've got a good you know, friend right now. Actually, I've had him preach in the church. His family just got up and they just moved to Africa, leaving the co commodities of this country and the Western world to go and to serve, leaving many of those comforts behind. And you know one of the tragedies that these missionaries have to go around and beg churches to give? Listen, if they're willing to do all of that to preach the gospel to the people who don't have it, how cool would it be in a few years from now when we're giving one faith 51% that we just tell a missionary, we've got you covered completely. You don't have to go on furlough and go from church to church to church asking for money. We're going to support you fully. How awesome would that be? That's our heart. So when we support pastors and missionaries, here's what we do. We make an eternal investment. Um, Randy Alcorn wrote a great book on, on giving. I think it's called the treasure, uh, the treasure Principle, if I remember correctly. He writes this. Financial planners tell us when it comes to your money, don't just think three years ahead or three months ahead, but 30 years ahead. But he says this. He says, Christ, the ultimate investment counselor, takes it further. He says, don't ask how your investment will be paying off in 30 years. Ask how it will be paying off in 30 million years. Sit with that for a moment. So we give one to move the gospel forward by supporting pastors and missionaries. But secondly, and this is the case in our text, the early church gave and we should give to support the needs of the poor and the marginalized. It's exactly what's going on. The Jer Jerusalem Christians are very, very impoverished, and uh, Paul means to, uh, for the other churches to give and to help them. And so those are the two causes uh, that we're to give to, um, at least. And so that's why we give. Now, this brings us to the question. I'm going to freak some of you out this morning. What amount should Christians give? I'm going to dare you to put down tradition what you've always been taught, and I'm going to ask you to just look at the Bible and pray through it. I'm not taking an offering at the end of this service, so you, you chew on it this week and, and you seek the Lord yourself. So 
if, if I were to ask you what should Christians give, how many of you would say we should tithe? Okay, a few of you. I thought it would be more than that. So let's go over to the, the, the text. If you've ever heard a, a sermon on giving, you've gone to Malachi, right? You've heard a preacher you know, if you, if you rob God, he's going to curse you. If you give, he's going to bless you. So let's go to the book of Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Last book in your Old Testament. So here's what the word of the Lord says. Let's start in verse 8. This is the Lord speaking. Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. He's talking to Israel here. And uh, see, how have we robbed you, they ask. And he says, in your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. How many have ever heard this preached to you? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. By the way, this is an Old Testament principle, but it's repeated in the New Testament in the scripture I just read to you. And it goes on. We could, we could read further. But there's, there's the text on tithing. So uh, a tithe, uh, the word tithe, it's, it means tenth. So it's one-tenth. Tithing was an Old Testament Jewish practice, not a New Testament Christian practice. Now sit with me for a minute. Tithing was essentially a tax. It was a tax that the Israelites paid from the produce of their land. And there were three tithes. So if we're going to use this, look, look what it says as a matter of fact. How have we robbed you in your tithes, plural, and offerings? So if we're going to use this text and say, well, if you don't tithe, you're going to be cursed. Well, then we've got to say, well, actually there's tithes. Well, how many tithes were there? There were three. One tithe, so one-tenth, went to the Levites, the priestly tribe, to support them. Okay? This was for the Israelites. The, the, the Levites got one-tenth. Another tenth had to be given every year that supported all the, all the parties. It went to the party planning committee, all right? If you're an office fan. All the Jewish festivals that they had, and there were many. Don, you can attest to this. Lots of Jewish festivals. They had to be supported. So a tenth went to that. And then every three years, another tithe was given to support the poor. So if you add all that up, scholars tell us that they believe that the, the Israelites had to give somewhere between 23 to 25% of their money in tithes. And then on top of that, free will offerings. Well, does that 25% sound familiar to you? Actually, it's increasing. <laughs> what do we pay about 25% in? Taxes, right? That's what it was for Israel, too. And that was the command. You pay this, and then above that, you give free will offerings. A great passage about offerings, by the way, uh, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, I believe. Read that today. It'll bless you. So that's what the tithe was. Now, tithing was part of the Old Testament law. Let me ask you, Bible scholars, are we as new Christians under the Old Testament law? Okay, let me just read you one verse. I could read you dozens, but let me just read you one verse. Romans uh, 7, 6, Paul writing again. 
But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not the old way of the written code. Now, I know what some of you Bible people are thinking right now, but pastor, tithing came before the law. All right? And you are absolutely right. Genesis 14, 20, Abraham tithed. Genesis 28, 22, Jacob tithed. And we know this pleased the Lord. Okay? But here's the thing. Those tithes were voluntary, not commanded. And there's no indication that these became just standard, even for these men. So the Bible, in my understanding, does not command Christians to give 10%. But let me ask you this. We're under the the covenant of grace. Do you think that law or grace is worth more? You thought I was going to let you off the hook, didn't you? Do you think law or grace is worth more? Here's what I call tithing. I call it the training wheels of giving. I didn't coin that phrase. As a matter of fact, I think it was Randy Alcorn. But I refer to it often as the training wheels of giving. So... Here's what we know about giving as it pertains to Christians. Just a few things. What, if we don't give 10%, what do we give? Well, number one, here's what we know. Giving is to be sacrificial. We're to give sacrificially. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 8.3. For they gave, this is the Macedonian churches, they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. So here's one of my main frustrations with those who preach You just have to tithe, 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 tithe. That's what we're called to do. Here's one of my frustrations. If you make six figures, let's say a year, 10% of your income is not a sacrifice. And here's what happens. People that make bukus of money use 90% for whatever the world they want to live in luxury. And then they go, listen, I gave God the 10%. I'm good. I can do whatever I want with the rest. I had a, a guy come up to me a few years ago, and he drove up his sports car to me. And he goes, man, check this out. And it was like probably $150,000, $200,000 sports car. And um, he, he begins to tell me about the big house that he lives in. And this is a guy that loves God, I promise you, and, and all this stuff. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad for having nice things. That's not the point. But he, he says all this stuff, and then you could tell, like, he realized what he was doing. And he goes, oh, but I tithe. And it's like, oh, I can see you're really suffering for Jesus, right? It's like ball players, like these, you know, these pro ball players, and it's like they're they're put on a pedestal because they gave ten thousand dollars, or or even a half million dollars to a project, and it's like that's like me giving you a Snickers bar. It's like they make bukus of money. It's like nothing, right? So so the Bible calls us to give sacrificially. So often when people say I can't afford to give, here's what they mean. I can't give uh, and keep my same lifestyle. Uh, It's funny when people have told me through the years, Pastor, I just can't afford. They say tithe. I can't afford to tithe. And then I go out and they're at Texas Roadhouse dropping 100 bucks on a meal. Really? You can't afford to tithe. You just don't want to. All right? So I just heard a testimony this last week that blessed me. One of, one of our families in the church, I won't say who, so I don't rob them of their blessing, but um, for Christmas, they were able to bless a, a few other families that were very, very impoverished with a great amount of Christmas presents. Not only did they give them, but in order to, they actually gave other families more than they gave their own kids. 
That's what sacrifice looks like, right? We're to give sacrificially. Number two, we're to give proportionally. This is very important. 2 Corinthians 8, 12, for if the readiness is there, it's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Listen up. You know, this is the other frustration with uh, when, when a pastor gets up and says, well, everybody has to just tithe or, or tithe. Um, if you're a single mom here and you have three kids and you're working three jobs to make ends meet, I'm not going to tell you you have to tithe. Now, if God lays it on your heart to tithe and whatever you give, God's going to bless and he's going to give you more. I believe that. But listen, I'm not, and, and some of you may disagree with me, that's okay. I'm not going to tell you to let your kids go hungry while, while you give our church money. Even though I believe God blesses our giving, I think what this text teaches I think what this text teaches is those who have, give to those who don't. And one day you're going to have and you can return the favor. But shame on us for making people who are struggling. I'm not talking about people who are just going out buying you know, cars with $500 a month car payments and saying I can't give. I'm talking about these people who are really, really working hard, impoverished, but are barely making ends meet. So we are to give proportionally. That's what I'm saying. I'm not here to make anybody feel bad. You search the scriptures and see if you agree with me, but that's my take from the scriptures. Number three, very important, we're to give joyfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Uh, let's, as a matter of fact, I don't have this one printed out. Let's read this. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7, I believe. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Does it say 10%? As he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, smile at me, a cheerful giver. Remember last week we looked at, at a text actually in Malachi, and God was talking about uh, the, the, the Israelites who were half-heartedly serving him, and he said, listen, I'd rather the temple doors be shut than you give me the worship you're giving me. You know that God would rather you give nothing than for you to write a million dollars today begrudgingly? I mean this. If, if, if you're only giving because we're twisting our, your arm or you're, only, you're giving begrudgingly, keep it. Keep it. And I know we have so many generous people in this church. And let, let me say thank you for your generosity. And you give cheerfully. And uh, man, it blesses us. And blesses the Lord. Finally, how do we give? Uh, we give regularly. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul talks about giving again. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do so. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. So listen, our church depends not just on one-time donations, but on continual, generous giving. Um, that helps us support missionaries. It helps us support our community uh, outreaches and all of that. So there you have it. So finally, how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, number one, it's got to start with the transformation of the heart. It's got to start with the transformation of the heart. This is not normal human behavior to give like this. To say, I'll go without something so somebody else can have something. That's not normal. How does this happen when Jesus Christ transform your, transforms your heart and then you can't give away enough, as I said earlier? 
It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, how do we give in this way? We've got to shift our thinking. So remember, we're stewards, not owners. Um, that's, you've you got to remember, it's not 90% of is mine, 10% it's God. It's all His. It's all His. Well, Pastor, I worked hard to earn it. Well, He gave you the ability to do that. If you're smart, He gave you your faculties. If you're gifted with your hands, He gave you those faculties as well. Give according to the Bible, not tradition. So I want to challenge some of you today who have, who have been tithing, which I so appreciate. And if you're doing that, you're doing better than 95% of Christians in America. So God bless you. But I just want to challenge you um, to say, listen, to, to maybe seek the Lord and say, hey, could I give more? Are you calling me to give more? Um, is that a sacrifice? And then finally, as uh, far as shifting our thinking, I would say learn to have an eternal perspective. You know, in great honesty, when I started in ministry, I just, I realized I'm not going to get to travel a lot. We just don't have the extra money to do that. And, you know, we see friends travel and all that, and we, God bless you if you're able to do that. Enjoy it. We're not trying to make you feel bad for that. But my heart, I've got family from England and Ireland, and I've so wanted to travel there. Um, my dream is to go to Israel, and that's just probably not going to happen. It might, but, so I used to bellyache over that, right? Well, you know, Wham, poor me, first world problems, right? But here's the thing. You know what I realized as I preach about the, the new heavens and the new earth? See, growing up, all I heard about was heaven, so I'm picturing me floating on a cloud for eternity, thinking, man, this is going to be boring. No, we're going to spend eternity on the new earth. You know what I realized? I have all of eternity to explore the entire earth, not in its corrupted form, but in its perfect form. How exciting is that? So there you go. Have an eternal perspective. Um, so... How do we give? Transformation of the heart, shift in our thinking. Number three, give prayerfully. If you don't know what to give, pray. Dare you pray. When you pray, God's going to answer you, and he's going to stretch you, I believe. Number four, as Bob said earlier, how do you give? You follow biblical principles regarding money. My heart hurts for some of you because you're where I used to be. You want to be generous. You want to help people. You want to help the church, but you can't because you're in debt up to your eyeballs. Because you've bought stuff that you don't need to impress people you don't like. Right? You don't need it. You don't need it. All right? So, I'll give you the advice that I've given before. It comes from Bob Newhart. You ready? Stop it. There you go. Uh, number five. How do we give generously? Give to God first. Proverbs talks about this. Give to God first. If he's the last, if it's like, well, I'm going to pay everything and see how much is left, you're never going to give uh, graciously and um, you're never going to give sacrificially. Decide in your heart, here's what we're going to give this month and this is going to be our priority. Give to God first. And then finally, how do we give? We grow in trust. You know, it's not logical, is it, to think, well, man, if I give money away, I'm going to be better off. It's like, no, if I save and I keep, then I'm going to be better off. No, You've got to trust God to apply this principle. Say, if I'm generous and I do it with a joyful heart, God's going to bless me and make sure that I'm provided for. So I put some questions I hope that you'll use on your note sheets. And if you don't have a note sheet, you can grab one on the way out. Um, I'd love for you to talk about these today over lunch or what have you. Um, is my giving, these are self-reflection questions, is my giving sacrificial? So here's the question. This is a rough one. 
How has my giving impacted my lifestyle? Have I gone without something so that somebody else can have? Is my giving joyful? In other words, how do I feel when I give to kingdom purposes? You know, is it like, I don't know, I'm gonna, I feel like God's going to strike me down if I don't tithe, so I do it, but it's like this horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach. That's not good. We should give joyfully, not reluctantly. And then final question I'd love for you to, to think on is, how can I be more generous in 2022? That's a question that I'm, I'm pondering myself and seeking the Lord on. Anybody mad at me today? All right, Hunter is. Okay. Um, I look forward to the day when we can give that 51% away. We, uh, you know what? Stand with me. I've said enough. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, everything we have, we recognize, belongs to you. Everything. Not just our money, our talents, our time, the church, the building, the facility, the people. We all belong to you. Everything we have belongs to you. I repent, Lord, that I haven't been a faithfulness, faithful enough steward in my own life when it comes to giving. And I pray that you would move on the hearts of your people, those who haven't maybe excelled in this area, that you would, by your kindness, lead them to, to repentance. May 2022 be a year of ridiculous giving year of gracious giving, sacrificial giving, a year of gratitude, a year where we're pulled away from stuff and we look to eternal things that last forever. I just pray for those who give generously. Lord, I, I pray that scripture that we just read over them. May they abound in everything, God, so that they can continue to be generous. Help us, Lord, quickly to reach that 51% giving it away so we can be a blessing to our world and our community. Let us never be about all the fancy stuff that many churches are about. Let us keep it simple and spend as much money as we can reaching the poor, ministering to them, and reaching the world with the gospel. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.